In a world where we are always trying to keep up, it can be easy to forget what's important. We're constantly bombarded with information and demands on our time, and we tend to lose sight of what matters most. That is why I invite you to join me as we simplify our lives. By learning to focus on what's truly important, we could free up our time and energy for the things that matter most. And when we simplify our lives, we create more space for joy, happiness, and connection. So if you're ready to simplify your life, I invite you to join me on this journey. Together, let's discover the joy of simplicity. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of It's Simply Life. I am so grateful that you are joining me today. I have a quote that I want to read from Albert Einstein, and I love reading about him and his philosophy and his his way of thinking because it's so impactful to our world today. Everything is energy, and that's all there is to it. Match the frequency of the reality you want, and you cannot help but get that reality. It can be no other way. This is not philosophy. This is physics. And when we match the frequency of what is going on in our world and what we want to be happening in our world, that's exactly what we get. That's what comes back to us. So just a little philosophical quote to share with you on today's podcast. I just finished reading The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. And it's such a fascinating read, and I'm going to recap one of the things that really spoke to me. He talks about post-World War II, so 1945 to like 1960, how the war ended and all of these soldiers were coming back from war and they didn't have jobs, they didn't have places to live, and the word and the message in the economy during the war was save money, save money, save money. So now the war's over, these soldiers are coming back, And now they have to jumpstart the economy. And all these soldiers are coming back and they have to, they need a place to live. They, they want to get married. They want to start their life. They don't want to go live in their parents' basement. So they started jumpstarting the economy. Manufacturing started kicking off. Housing started increasing and it increased the middle class is what it did. And so the distribution of wealth was very balanced in the U.S. during the 1950s and into the 60s. And if you think about it, the only message that was coming across to everybody was three TV channels that everybody watched. And the same message was showcased on those three TV channels. And so everybody was kind of in flux and in this cohesive state of mind because everybody 
assumed that everybody else thought, acted, and behaved like them because they're getting the same message on three TV channels broadcast across the whole U.S. And because that was the message and because that's the way that the economy was, everybody assumed and thought, if that person could have it, I could have it too. And that's how the middle class just swelled. And that's how the distribution of wealth increased in, and, and distributed across the middle class in the U.S. Well, what happened is it started to split off and people who were investing and building and starting to figure out how to build more wealth started separating themselves from the middle class and became more of the wealthier class. And when that happened, everybody here who was in the middle class, the mentality was, if this person could have it, I could have it. If this person could have it, I could have it. And because that was the mentality, debt rose tremendously. Credit cards became a thing. Loans became a thing. And it started separating the very wealthy from the middle class and then eventually created a class of people who were very poor because everybody assumed if that person could have it, I can too. And that was the message that that generation shared with their, with their kids. It caused this huge amount of debt, not only in each individual, but in the U S and overall. So I thought it was really fascinating just how the message that we are given in a generation and how it's passed down to generation and and then that message becomes something else and then it's passed down and that becomes the way that we live. So let's fast forward to today where everybody has a voice, right? With social media, we all have a voice, a podcast, newsletter, any type of social media platform, a video, a text, a picture, we all have a voice. So what's happening today is there's billions of different opinions. And we, as a society, don't like that there's billions of different opinions. We want everyone to think, act, look, behave like us because we're, we're frustrated that everybody has an opinion. And the truth, the reality is everybody always had an opinion. It just never, there was just never a platform or an opportunity to share that opinion with the world because the message was always the same message on three news channels that came into your nightly television at 10 p.m. So now in today's society, the way that we get our information is not only through three news channels, it's multiple news channels, multiple cable channels, multiple resources, and then everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an opportunity 
to share their opinion, to share their knowledge, to share their information, to share their wisdom. And we as society don't like it. We want everyone to look and act and behave like us. So I just thought it was a very interesting understanding of how the worldview has changed since 1945 to 2023 and how the economy has impacted the message that we all believe and that we all think. And I'm a huge believer in owning your own message, owning your own truth, owning your own beliefs. And the reason that we have the beliefs that we have is because we're raised in the society that we're raised in by our parents, by our coaches and our teachers and our siblings and our surroundings and the way that we were raised led to the way that we believe. And each individual person, even two people who grew up in the same household have different beliefs because those two people might have the same two parents, but then they go on different paths with different friends, different, different coaches, different teachers, different educators, different experiences. And so no two people have the same belief because no two people have the same experience. And the beautiful, wonderful thing about me having a podcast about the way that we live in the world today is we all have an opportunity to share our voice and we all have something to share. We all have something to, to teach others. I would highly encourage you to share your knowledge and share your voice and share your passion. And there's always somebody who doesn't know what you know, and you could teach them something, a valuable, valuable lesson. Okay, let's get this podcast started. We are going to talk about maximizing your ROI with three data-driven content marketing strategies. So if you want to go back and listen to episode 149, content marketing made simple, it will go deep into how to create a content marketing strategy and everything you need to create content marketing. But I'm going to do an overall recap of why content marketing is so vital in today's world. One of the reasons is I just kind of came off of that whole spiel about we all have a voice. We all have an opportunity to build a personal brand or build a business in today's world. And content is your cold outreach. Content is your sales page. Content is the way that you were connecting with the world and inviting those like-minded people into your ecosystem. And so when you're creating content, you're sharing your values, your beliefs, your mission, your purpose, your why, and you're sharing it through telling your brand story. Then those people who have similar experiences to you or like the way that you think or think similar or behave similar or want to incorporate the same values into their life, 
then they are going to come into your ecosystem and you're going to invite them into your into your brand story. And you're sharing your brand story through the content that you're creating. It also is going to attract the right audience to you so that clients, potential clients, potential partnerships, they all come to you based on the content that you're putting out into the world. And it's creating demand for you based on that content. So if I'm constantly giving marketing information, content marketing information, content tools to use, content metrics to measure, if I'm constantly delivering information about content marketing, then hopefully I'm going to attract the right clientele who is going to raise their hand and say, I like what you're putting out into the world and I want to connect with you because I need content marketing for my business. And shameless plug for It's Simply Digital, that is exactly what we do. We take everything off your plate and create a content strategy, a brand strategy, and we share your brand voice, your brand toning, your brand story through your content out into the world. And we implement and we execute as well. So when you're sharing your content, that is attracting your tribe. And now let's talk a little bit about what you could do, what dynamic content is. If you go back and listen to episode 144, I talk about dynamic content and dynamic content is this hyper personalization, meaning you're creating content for certain segments within your market, within your buyer journey. And so you might have somebody who doesn't know you yet and is just getting to know you. And you might share some content with them that we call top of the funnel or tofu. And that information is very broad, very lighthearted. You're not going deep. You're just giving them a broad overview of your brand and your business. And then you have the middle of the funnel where you're bringing them a little bit further down and you're sharing some more insights and some more metrics and some more information. And then you have the bottom of the funnel where again, they're raising their hand and they're saying, yes, I want to buy your product or your service. And so you could create content at each of these levels in the buyer journey to captivate different parts of your audience. And that's exactly what dynamic content does. It's hyper-personalization. How many of us go and search like on clouds on online? And then the next thing you know, these ads are following you around with on cloud tennis shoes and where to get them. That is dynamic content. That is hyper-personalization. How many times do you go shop at, let's say, a Target and maybe you've bought party supplies, birthday party supplies at Target before, and then the next time those birthday party supplies are on sale, Target might send you an ad or an email telling you birthday party supplies are on sale this weekend because they know you have purchased that that those things, those products before. And you could do that with your, with your product or your service. If you have clients that have purchased 
courses or purchased services or purchased coaching with you. And maybe you're putting it on sale. Maybe you have a new product. Maybe you have a new service option. Maybe you're going in a deeper dive on a course. It's just an opportunity to create hyper-personalized content based on different segments within your audience. So that is strategy number one. Now let's move to strategy number two, which is measuring the content to set you up for success. If you go back and listen to episode 158, we talk about measuring metrics to make an impact. And it's all about the KPIs and what the goals are of your content. And so let's recap that because we want to measure our metrics. There's so many different ways that you can measure your metrics to optimize your content. So you could A-B test ads. You could A-B test email subject lines. And by A-B testing, what I mean is you put two options, let's say two subject lines in an email, but the same body, and you get to see which one has a bigger open rate or a larger open rate. You could do two ads with the same copy in the ads, maybe you switch out the picture or the graphic, maybe you switch out the title, maybe you switch out the call to action, maybe you switch out the audience. So you could do some A-B testing to determine which content is resonating with your audience better. That's one way to measure. Another way to measure is your open rate on your emails or your newsletters and You could see, okay, has my open rate fallen? What did I talk about in this particular subject or in this particular day in my newsletter that fell short of what my normal open rate is? By the way, an average open rate for an email newsletter is about 20%. So if you're getting over that, great job. If you're getting under that, what do you need to change to get it up a little higher? You could also use tools that measure analytics on social media. We use Social Pilot. We also use HubSpot. You could use Google Analytics. Google Analytics is going to tell you the impact of people hitting your website and how long they're staying on the page and how long they're reviewing the information and are they bouncing and what information are they viewing? And then you know that if they're hitting certain blogs or certain topics or certain pieces of information on your website, you know that you could start creating more content around those particular topics. Let's go back to your newsletters and you have hyperlinks that click out to different parts of a blog or a podcast or a social media handle. And if those are getting clicks, then there's another way to measure what's being read, what's being clicked on. You could look at your social media analytics and see what's the best time to post. What's the best time to get engagement? How, how often should I post based on my analytics? If I'm posting every day and I'm not getting really great feedback on Sunday, maybe do I need to post on Sunday? I don't know, but these are the ways that you could review all your analytics to make an impact on the content that you create when you're putting that content out into the world. Strategy number three, SEO metrics in your content creation. We have to incorporate keywords that our audience is looking for within our content so that when they search a particular topic, 
our content is going to show up for them to read or review. We have to be answering the questions that our audience is asking. So using tools like SEMrush and Answer the Public and BuzzSumo and uh, Deep Marketing so that you could go and dive deep into what the keywords are, what the key phrases are, what the long tail key phrases are, and what questions your audience is asking about your product or your service. And this gives you a host of information to incorporate into your content. Even on your social platforms, your hashtags are part of your SEO strategy. When you optimize your LinkedIn profile, you have an opportunity to put five talking points that you discuss with a hashtag. And so if somebody's looking up that particular subject online on, on LinkedIn, you know, you're going to pop up because you talk about social media or you talk about content marketing. So it just depends on the platform, but you could use hashtags, you could use keywords, you could use key phrases. You really need to incorporate these into the content that you're putting out and answer the questions that your audience is asking. And that's going to rank higher when somebody searches that particular piece of information. It also allows you to incorporate keywords into your ads and into your ad campaigns. And if you ever search something on Google and you see these ads pop up, it's because they've purchased those keywords that you've searched for and then those ads pop up. I know that there's often times that you're searching for a particular product or service and something else pops up. And let's just say you're searching Home Depot and Lowe's pops up. Well, Lowe's might have been paying for the keyword Home Depot. And so when you search Home Depot and Lowe's pops up, it's because Lowe's is paying for that keyword and they're paying more than Home Depot is paying. So it's a matter of dollars and cents. The other thing you could do with SEO, you could incorporate interlinks and backlinks. And the only way that you could incorporate backlinks is if somebody links to your particular blog or your particular content from their website. But you could do this by creating partnerships, by creating, <clears throat> by co-blogging with somebody, or when you share really valuable content and you're answering a particular question, somebody might just do some research and find your blog and use it as a reference. The other thing is interlinking your own blogs and your own content within your own website to increase your SEO as well. Those are three data-driven metrics to boost your ROI in your content marketing. Let's go through and have three key takeaways. Number one, creating dynamic content that's hyper-personalized for your particular buyer journey within your audience. And you have to know your audience and you have to know who you're talking about so that you know their buyer journey and you know top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom of funnel, and you know how to create dynamic content for each of those particular parts in the, in the buyer journey. And then understanding that content creation is your cold outreach. It is your sales page. 
It is the way your clients are connecting. You're creating that demand and you're pulling them in to your ecosystem. Number two, incorporating tools to help you determine which content is resonating with your audience. Do some A-B testing. Look at the metrics of your open rate on your newsletter. Look at what social posts uh, you're putting out and what's resonating with your with your particular audience and what's resonating and create more of that and what times they're engaging and make sure you're online or you're available at those particular times. Number three, incorporating SEO into your content marketing strategy making sure that you're answering the questions that your clients are asking, making sure that you're incorporating keywords and key phrases within your content, understanding what keywords and key phrases resonate with your audience and tying it all together with your whole entire content marketing strategy to incorporate interlinks and backlinks and opportunities to guest blog and opportunities to showcase other people's blogs as well as have them showcase yours. And maybe it's podcast swapping and maybe it's newsletter swapping, but there's a whole host of opportunities to partner with different people to get your name out there. And I truly am a huge believer in that is the way that we are going to start creating larger ecosystems is through partnerships and through cohesive marketing. So you're going to find strategic partners that align with, that have synergies that align with what you offer and what they offer. And you're going to create these partnerships and you're going to be able to bring an entire package of everything a client could possibly need regarding your product or your service by all the partnerships that you're going to have incorporated. That's my guess on the future of marketing. If you like what you hear, please go rate, review, and share this podcast. It helps keep this information free. Speaking of free, this podcast is sponsored by our newsletter. It's Simply Newsworthy. If you are not on the list, I invite you to join. We share actionable tips tricks and strategies to increase your marketing game. And the link is in the show notes. The last thing I want to share is go be awesome. <laughs>